You are listening to Life Stories with me, Natalie Miller-Snell. Throughout this series, you'll hear honest conversations with inspiring people. And I am so super excited and so very grateful for my guests who have been incredibly candid about their journeys. So sit back and prepare to be inspired. Hello, everyone. I am so excited for today's show. Joining me is a brilliant human, hello, I did there, a recovering academic, super brain box, sought after keynote speaker, and best selling author who may have a spy dog or a few pigs. He's, he also does a bit of work at the Art of Brilliance. Please put your hands together for Doctor of Happiness himself, Dr. Andy Cope. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, we need to, we need a special effect there, Natalie. We need a big yeah. round of applause, please. Can I, I just say, before we start, before we start properly, well, thank you everybody for tuning in. But um, I've been, obviously since I found out I was going to be on the podcast, I've binge listened. So I've been oh, having a little list. Very good, right? So what I've learned is you, I, I love what you do, right? I love how you do it. I love why you do it, right? Aww. So essentially we're in the same game is that... Um, you know, you love your subject, you know your stuff, and what you're trying to do is share <laughs> what you love so that other people can hopefully have better lives. And I think that's exactly where I'm coming from for the last 16 years. That's what I've been trying to do as well. So oh. where do we start? Where do we start? Where do we start? Oh, Roger, honestly, you just made my day, actually. Thank you very much for listening. That's absolutely beautiful. Well, well let's true. let's start with the incredible human that you are and, and the oh. story behind how you got to being where you are and what you're doing. Because there's a nice kind of, je- there's the teacher in there, there's a study yeah. before that and then leading on to the art of brilliance. How did that all come about? Yep. Um, well, I spent, if we kind of cut to the recent stuff, really, um, well, like everybody else, I left, I left uni and did, did, fell into a job and didn't really know what I was. Well, I was all right. I was OK. But then I discovered a subject called positive psychology, which pretty much uh, supercharged my life. So I started to study that at Loughborough Uni back in 2005 as a PhD. So I think of it, Natalie, like the opposite of all the other doctors, right? If you ever go and see a doctor, it's because something's wrong with you, right? Yeah. And what if you trace traditional psychology back to a, for 150 years ago when it was first invented, it's always been about um, maladies and medical issues. So phobias, disorders, anxiety, depression, paranoia. If there's something not quite right, you go and see your psychologist and they'll give you some therapy or counseling or some medication to make you better. And I, I appreciate that. I think that's super useful. But my point, my point is this, my journey started with a realization that despite the best efforts of 150 years of psychological treatment and remedies, then over that period, mental ill health has actually got a lot worse, not a lot better. So for me, there's like something's missing. Something's missing big time here. So positive psychology essentially is the science to well people. <laughs> so what I realize is like literally for 150 years, and it sounds obvious when I say it, right? But yeah. literally for 150 years, traditional psychologists have never, ever studied people who are already happy right? on the, on the yeah. grounds of them not being ill. And therefore, what I decided to do back in uh, Loughborough was do sort of PhD, so an academically based research project. Look, all of us, everybody listening to this podcast, right? You can think of a handful of people in your life, so probably a single handful, who've got something extra. So yeah. like whether it's an extra smile on the face, a spring in the step, an extra positive, an extra passion for life, basically. And if you work with them, they go the extra mile without it seeming like the extra mile. They're not grumbling about it. So who the heck are they? Right. We, we actually we literally do not know who those people are on the grounds of them not being ill. So after 150 years of ignoring them, I decided to flip psychology on its head and, and give those people a warm embrace and try and find out three things. Right. First of all, who the heck are they? 
So we we didn't even know that. Secondly, what are the happy people doing that allows them to be happy? <laughs> yeah. Thirdly, thirdly, most importantly, what can we then learn from them that we can put into practice in our lives so we might be a bit happier as well? And I know it sounds obvious, and you kind of <laughs> while, while I'm saying it, but honestly, it's not been done before. Because yeah, it's weird if you think about it. So that's what I did. I started that in 2005, changed my life, and now what we do at Tartarville is keynotes, workshops, webinars, uh, aimed at. Um, anybody really who, who wants to step into their best selves that is beautifully summarized and actually an incredible path to go down so what did you discover Andy what are they doing differently these oh happy my... folk what is it that they're doing gosh well here's the thing right it took me 12 years to get a PhD so I'm not particularly wow. I'm not clever I'm you <laughs> describe me as a brain box I'm absolutely not right I just <laughs> I'm a hard worker right you can get a PhD in two years if you're clever it took me 12 so and I always think Loughborough maybe just gave it me to leave in the end you know they just got <laughs> Andy, you've been here 12 years, hand your library card in and and leave the premises. But basically, all the stuff that I found out after 12 years, I already knew 12 years ago, right? And that's the beauty of positive psychology is that it it doesn't really, I call it self-remembering, not not personal development, but personal remembering. So what positive psychology tends to do is reconnect you with some really obvious stuff that you already know, but you've not been doing. So, so loads of the stuff that, I mean, I can share loads of top tips with you that, that everybody will be rolling their eyes going, oh, I already knew that. Well, you might have known it, but are you doing are it? You and doing that, that's it? the thing. Mm. That's the, and, and I just think that in, if we set the context in this, I don't know when people are going to listen to this, but we're recording this in July 2021, just creeping out of lockdown, hopefully, but we might go back in it. We don't know. And we've had 16 months of the world has been battering people with the relentless bad news and a pandemic. And I think your subject and my subject is the same subject, right? You're Mm. in the same space as me. Our subject about well-being and human flourishing has never been more important, right? It has become more important in the last 16 months. And it was important before then, because if you go back to pre-pandemic in England, right, it is a scary stat. Just in England alone, there were 75 million prescriptions written for antidepressants just in England in 2019. So that's more antidepressant prescriptions than there are people. So even before the pandemic, you could argue there's an epidemic of unhappiness, Mm. Right. So therefore, I'm like my, and I'm coming at it from, and having listened to your back catalogue, I'm coming at it from the same as you. It's it's okay to not to be okay, and we might sometimes bend, but I don't think we have to break. And what positive yeah. psychology gives us is some stuff that we can do, that we can put into practice. It's like inoculating. It's like your third jab, I think. Yeah. So it's not about COVID. It's about life. How can we inoculate ourselves against what life's doing to us? Which and it's doing a lot. It is doing a lot so many things that I mean we forget don't we we forget how to remember the good qualities and what we can bring to the table and enable ourselves to be happy yeah the thing the thing about um my two percenters as I call them I call that some of my kind Let's of shorthand yeah. that's my shorthand for if you put I basically I measured tried to measure how happy people were and and there was these statistical outliers. So if you graphed everybody on a, on a graph of happiness, we've all got a natural high point and natural low point during the week. And far too, few, far too many people are spending more time kind of in the bottom third of their well-being spectrum. So essentially, the finding is that most people are a million miles away from feeling as great as they could. And we mm. tend to reserve feeling amazing for a special occasion. I'll be happy at the weekend. I'll be happy on my summer holiday. I'll be happy when I retire. And my ultimate point is life is the ultimate special occasion. So we've got to quit waiting. But on that graph, with a lot of people stuck in the sort of bottom third in grumble mode, 
Um, not depressed. No, I'm not having to go to depression mm. here, right? There are that's a, 75 million prescriptions written for that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about within your normal parameters of well-being, but just a bit stuck in having we're, the Brits. It's the Brit. We're a bit negative. We're quite <laughs> pessimistic. We like to have a moan. It's a cultural thing, right? But the two percenters are those standout people. When you put them on a graph of well-being, there's a small percentage at the top of the well-being spectrum, and they're they're my two percenters. And um, so, what are they doing? That we can learn from um so it becomes really really all-encompassing and it becomes life-changing the two things i was going to say about that is being a two percent so being your best self essentially what i'm talking about is it will change your life that there is mm. absolutely no doubt that the next 40 years of your life if you can reset into best possible self it will it will it will just transform your your home life it will transform your career everything my two percenters right they've got they're, they're significantly statistically significantly happier but they've got 40 percent more energy than a normal person and like bloody hell we could do with some of that couldn't we but the second the second thing about about them, not only will it change your life but as an academic the most important thing for me is that being your best self essentially is a, is a learned behavior or mm. a set of learned behaviors which again back to your back catalog if, if people haven't listened to it listen to it because it's got a set <laughs> it's got a set of real simple dare yeah, i say yeah totally yeah. absolutely Simple fundamentals stuff that yeah. you can do that will give you it's not a guarantee but it's like rolling the dice in your favor it will give you a better chance of having a better day more often that and that's the i i figured this right i'm coming at it from, i'm sorry i'm a bit ranty today but no go for excited, it this is right? gorgeous i am i'm coming at it from this right i spent about 40 years trying to change the world i was bloody i was exhausting myself Right. And what I realized ultimately, the plot spoiler alert is this. I can't control a pandemic. Right? Mm -hmm. I, can't, I can't make the sunshine. I can't even make the buses run on time. But what positive psychology does give me is a bit more control over me. Right. And the kicker is this. If I can therefore upgrade to best possible Andy, then it won't change the world, but it'll change my world. And if it can change my world just enough to put me in a better place to deal with a pandemic and a rainy day and a late bus, then that's that'll do. I'll take that. Because that's all we can hope for. And then ultimately, you're changing the world for so many people. Well, I think change. I'm, I'm, I've got a podcast as well, right? I've gone back in time to interview people from the past. I, I mean, it's a bit bonkers. That's mad. I went, I went, it's completely bonkers. It's actually pretty cool stuff because I went back, I spoke to Gandhi last month. Right. Gandhi, what did Gandhi, Gandhi have to say? Gandhi said, be the change. I mean, oh, who, there you go. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> you following you back in the day right and again that's exactly what me and you are talking about is i can't change the world but i can change me and if i can change me the other thing about my my research again it's a slightly nuanced academic point is it's what i call flourishing and flourishing is about human contagion essentially my my area of expertise is about contagion but in a positive way is that your happiness is bigger than you so yeah. if you can change you and if you can upgrade to best possible self, then that leaks out of you and creates a ripple effect. So your happiness, Natalie, when you're feeling great, it leaks out of you and it reaches three degrees of people removed from you. Yeah. So so you on top form is bigger than you. Right. So and the numbers, the numbers, it's like 16 percent, 10 percent, 6 percent. So, again, just just let me let me go with it while I'm while I can remember the numbers. So if you're having a genuinely good day, let's assume that everybody listening to this We'll give them some top tips and they go to work with a spring in their step right so you're genuinely feeling great everybody that you come into contact with when you're feeling amazing 
will feel a minimum of 16% happier because you're in their life, right? So these are the people you actually meet. This is your family, your work colleagues, maybe your customers as well. So let's say, let's assume for me, it starts in the kitchen in the morning. I'm feeling amazing at 7 a.m. Kids come down for breakfast. They're feeling 16% happy because I've got a smile on my face. So mm -hmm. it's worth doing. I'll commute off to work. Kids are going to stand at the bus stop at, uh, uh, waiting for the bus for school. School bus turns up. My kids are 16% happier. So when they get on the bus, they might stand a better chance of smiling at the bus driver saying, hi, sir. Hi, miss. You're looking good today. Bus driver is now 10% happier, right? I've not met the bus driver, but that's my happiness. That the, the bus driver drives to school going, do you know what? I think the Daily Mail is incorrect. I think teenagers seem actually quite respectful and quite <laughs> nice. So bus driver then gets back to the depot and has a cup of tea with the other bus drivers. The other bus drivers are now 6% happier. Mm. Right, and I've not met. I've not been to the depot. I've not even met the bus driver. All I've done is be my best possible self in the kitchen at seven a.m. and I've created a ripple effect. That's just that's a silly example, Natalie, of me in a kitchen. But think of how many people you, you come into contact with as we come out of lockdown every single day. That you're influencing them in a positive way. They're influencing their families. Somebody from their family might pop to Morrison's and buy a pint of milk and have some banter with a lady on the checkout. The lady on the checkout at Morrison's has benefited from you having a smile on your face. Boom. Do you know, it's not a silly example. I think that's perfect. And it's uh, what came to mind, what I saw was a flame and how the flame permeates. It's a tiny little flame and yet it permeates the whole space. And that's exactly what you're talking about in terms of radiating that happiness just by smiling at someone on the street. The amount of times I walk by folk and I will smile and say, I mean, they might think I'm crazy. I don't know. But I'm always like, hi, how are you? Or good morning or whatever. And people smile back and then you kind of see their face change. There it's you go. a big well, there's difference. A, there's, something, there's something called the 10-5 principle, right? And stole it off Sean Acre's book. Um, I think it's called The Happiness Advantage. And I think he stole it off an actual thing in a hospital in <laughs> America. Basically, yeah. And if I'm going to now steal it and pass it on to your yeah, listeners. I'll right? borrow it. And it's what you just said. You just basically said it. It's something like the 10-5 principle basically means that what you should do is anybody who comes within 10 feet of you, you should um, make eye contact and smile. Yes. Right? And anybody who comes within five feet of you, you should say hi. Right. And that now I know that I know that sounds stupidly obvious, but it, what it will mean is you're not scrolling on your phone as you're walking along. Right. You're walking with your head held high, making eye contact and smiling. So everybody within 10 feet, you look at you make eye contact uh, and smile and everybody within five feet, you say hi. And he got it from a hospital. And what they did was in this hospital. So let's assume there's like 2000 staff in this hospital and they all went through this kind of training where they were introduced to the 10 five principle. Now, all the really clever ones, all the doctors were getting the surgery. Oh, that's that's too obvious. Oh, that uh, sounds ridiculous. But they all gave it a go. And what they found was that when, when the visitors were arriving to visit the ill people, as the visitor was walking along the corridor, they'd make eye contact with a member of staff who had a smile. So the visitor would be smiling. The visitor would then pass that smile onto the patients. The patients ended up getting better quicker, right? <laughs> because the whole of the kind of atmosphere changed from hurrying along eyes down to actually walking along with head held high, making eye contact and a smile. And it became a contagion. The 10-5 principle doesn't cost a bean, right? And it's something Brilliant. that we can all do. That and you, Well, you, you, you said it. I've just put a name on it. 10-5 principle. I absolutely adore that. It's a narrative. I wrote that down here just a moment ago as well. When you were talking, what came to mind? It's the narrative we tell ourselves. We almost allow ourselves to be grumpy because of a situation. Oh. Now, th there could be good reason there. And I often say, allow yourself to feel 
And then what do you do to get out of that? It's we can still move forward and we can still find the positive, the optimism, the happiness within what's going on now. What can we see around us that we can be grateful for? Yeah, again, I mean, it's so, it's so beautifully obvious, isn't it? I mean, yeah. there's a word, there's a word, um, there's a word sonder. It's a beautiful word, isn't it? And so, <laughs> sonder basically means that every random passerby in your life has the same screaming insecurities in their head that you do in yours. Yeah. Because I just think it was just me, right? Like, <laughs> you know, the mental nagging and the self-critic and all that. Oh, my gosh. you. I, I, I'm a doctor of happiness, right, Natalie? Which I know, I, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, that's just the most ridiculous thing in the world. Now, Very you can't beautiful. be that. You can't be that. Sounds, what will people think? It sounds so stupid. But i kind of grown into it and, you know, take the mic out of myself type thing. But sonder means that it's not just me with my inner critic telling myself that I can't do it and what will people think and I can't write books and all that everybody's got the same voice everybody's mm. got that inner critic and I don't think it's a matter of I don't think you can ever get rid of it it's because it, it's negativity bias is built into the human being but I think you can turn it down yeah <laughs> and you can and you can I used to kind of changing your inner critic into a critical friend is is a really good move oh that's good yeah, yeah. It's a really good move it's like starting to cure the civil war be, being your own bestie basically being your own bestie that's where it starts yeah I like that actual positive encouragement but perhaps in a critical way but enabling you to okay we yeah. can do this we can move forward I like that yeah well it's a change it's a change of thinking isn't it and that's the thing about um about happiness really happy people say well what is happiness can you define it well I could try but you boy you silly but I think happiness isn't a thing my point is happiness isn't a thing it's not got a shape and a mass and a form and you can't you can't put it in a wheelbarrow so it's not a thing right so my definition mm -hmm. so therefore it's it's um it's a mental construct so it's an emotion it's a so but essentially there's only one place your happiness, happiness can ever come from and that's actually your thinking and I know some people will go, oh, no, no, your happiness comes from the weekend or it comes from, I go, no, it comes from how you're thinking about the weekend. Yeah. Um, so essentially the key to all of this is actually what two percenters do, those happy people, they live in exactly the same external world. They've, they've got a pandemic as well. Yeah. yeah. It rains on them too. Their bus turns up late as well, but they think about it differently. Yeah. Yeah. I heard in one yeah. of your previous ones, you talk about positive reframing. That's a nice NLP sort of coaching technique. And that's what essentially what they're doing all the time is reframing. Yeah. Is, is looking at the, well, you know, yeah, it's, it's happened, but how can we make the best of it? I love that. Tell us a bit about the art of brilliance because I've been over the website. It is absolutely glorious. Not only do I find it visually appealing, it's because it's so captivating. The videos are smart as well. So, you know, great small chunks of knowledge and what you're doing. There's a beauty, beautiful spectrum that you're giving out into the world. There was corporations to begin with. That's now evolved into schools, which I think is yeah. wonderful. And I saw your video the other day that, um, the note you got how long was it the thank oh, you that note was cool wasn't it yeah well, you know, been... that's the difference between working with corporates i love working with corporates they're great and they and they pay us a decent day rate but then what we do is we we any profit that we make so we we've got a sister company called brilliant schools so 100 percent of our profits go into that um which is a community interest company and then we put positive psychology into schools right because i mm -hmm. think it's nothing more important if you think about all the all the parents on this what's the one thing you want for your child right one thing if there's one it'd be happiness and then yeah. we put them i'm not i'm going to go at schools necessarily but we put them through a system that pretty much knocks all the happiness out of them what you need is english and maths and you need to know about Macbeth. No creative yeah, yeah yeah i want my kid to be happy so so what we're trying to do is is put well-being actually as a discrete subject on the curriculum so kids learn 
how to take care of their own mental health. Because sad is sad, it's really sad. I mean, the, the median age of depression used to be like 34 or something. It's now like 17. It's coming down and down and down and down. And even if you go to primary schools in the UK, there's kids age eight who are having panic attacks. So we've got to do some. We've got to do something. Yeah. So our, our what we're trying to do is um, get this to to kids and to teachers and to anybody. Well, parents as well, to be fair, because they need it too. Yeah. Do you know, it's interesting you say that, and I'd be curious to understand what you've found in terms of um, the impact that COVID's had on young folk, but also, you know, Sandra, Sandra Wells, which is how we hooked up, actually. Thank you, Sandra. I'm very much oh, enjoying this. Thank you, Love her. Um, if we had better conversations, better communication and focus at a younger age, how much more glorious we would be as we went through our journey in life? Right. I mean, I don't want to get too deep into this. I've been grappling with epigenetics which is i think even epigeneticists don't understand epigenetics mm. essentially what it means is that is that we used to think your genes were fixed and to a certain extent you're born with you know you, your height and your eye color and the general body shape that's fixed right but the sequencing of your gene, genetic makeup so the way that they're switched on and off is malleable it's not fixed and therefore your upbringing your childhood particularly is when it all happens mm. so if you can get just the first five years and kids all they want is love and if you can just give your kids the attention so so not giving them an ipad and, and ignoring them for two hours but genuinely making eye contact talking um and what that will do is the best, best thing you'll ever do for mm. your kids is just is give them full on love. And if you can do that, what will happen essentially, it's not just nice to have, it becomes an essential as, as creating a, a child with secure attachments who is then confident enough to explore the world around them and stretch their comfort zones and learn new stuff. So what you're doing is basically setting them up for life. And um, I just think, I don't know, I'm not having it. Once again, I'm not having to go at modern parenting, but there's a lot of people spending a lot of time on on screens a lot of parents yeah. spending a lot of time on screens and i just think a bit of eye contact and a bit of communication with your kids would be uh, probably the best thing you'll ever do for them and lights up their face as well that's what's amazing and the gems that they give you i've oh, got two yeah. boys that um 10 and 7 wow. and the stuff they come out with is pure magic yeah. and really makes me stand back and think wow, actually, I really like how you thought about that. Or what a great, what a great idea. And it's, you know, actually engaging in that is quite special, I must say. Well, being genuinely interested in, in uh, it, it breaks my heart, really. There's, there's all sorts of, we could talk about parenting here. There's a, the, the probably the smallest tip I can give anybody who's, well, anybody who's got a family at home really is, is the four minute rule is a thing. Um, it, it came from Steve McDermott's book, who steal things off other people, but at least try and give them credit. <laughs> four minute rule, four minute rule basically says you haven't got to be your best self all day. Cause that's probably yeah. exhausting and over the top. But if you can just be genuinely your best self for four minutes, then other people will kind of catch that off you. It's the start of the ripple effect. So that means the first four minutes of breakfast time, when the family are together having breakfast or the first four minutes of a meal or the first four minutes of, of, of going into the office, in the morning or the first four minutes of meeting with a customer or the first four minutes of coming home from work to your family if you can just nail being your best self for four minutes then what will happen that will create a magic let me give you an example right i'll give you a mm. give you a home example so the old version of me i was a bit i was i didn't know any of this right and i was i was doing the best with the resources out at the time but i was working long hours i was exhausted i'd commute home kids were little and i'd fall through the door six o'clock absolutely wiped out and the kids because they were 
little they'd run at you they'd run at you don't they and they're like dad dad where have you been? Yeah. Tell me, tell me, let me tell you about school i'm being oh, let me tell you about the m6 it's been a nightmare oh my gosh it's been drizzling all the way and the spray off the lorries has been terrible and and the, uh, the junction of stoke it was just nightmare anyway i would normally go home telling them about how rubbish my day was mm. and then i started to think about well the four minute rule how would the best dad in the world go through that door it's a pretty cool, powerful question, actually. Again, mm. with an obvious answer, but I, I knew the answer, but I hadn't been doing it. Because the answer to that, how would the best dad in the world go through the door? The answer is, well, lucky really wanted to. These are the most important people in my entire life. They don't care about the M6, right? So mm. I thought, okay, what I'm going to do is flip it and genuinely be the best dad in the world, which means I mean, they were only little, so I could get away with it. Instead of them jumping on me, I would jump on them. So, so yeah. I did. I would get home and I'd be like, oh my gosh, you know, fantastic first four minutes. And I would start to ask them, how was school today? Was it good, fantastic or brilliant? Right. So, so not, how was school? Boring. What did you learn? Can't remember. That's Can't the remember. question I had been asking. I was getting nowhere <laughs> yeah. with that question. right? And I figured it's not my kid's fault that I'm asking such a bad question. So we're back to coaching, communication. Yeah, yeah. Is changed. I had to change me. I had to change the question. And actually, I cannot tell you the difference it made going home, asking my kids, oh my gosh, how was school today? Was it good, fantastic or brilliant? Oh yeah, it was really good, dad. In fact, it was brilliant. Let me tell you what happened today. And they tell me about what they'd learned or they tell me about the funniest thing. And straight away, after the four minutes, the whole family gets this uplift mm. into 2% mode and we're buzzing for the rest of the night. The meal at, at tea time is like positive instead of negative. And I can't tell that's just such as again don't cost anything all it has is you got to rethink how you go through that front door as the best possible version of you and don't just think it do it do you know what if anyone takes anything from this podcast that little bit we're just if, and you can apply that to everything absolutely Indeed. everything which let's segue onto this Ooh, and your books you. What, you really thought about this book just then look I've got little p- notes in I've got little t- um, sticky notes in the pages it's got, swear words in that it's got a few it's got a few f-bombs in there but yeah. it's brilliant and what I loved about it your partner in crime references school a great deal and it goes yeah. back onto what you were saying about how you can seize the moment and actually address how you're dealing with it in order to lift yourself beautiful you've got loads of other books as well just share a, a few insights into about this and your other books uh, so shine listen. shine that i wrote with gavin gavin oates so gavin's a comedian first and foremost he's an absolute joy and a pleasure to work with he well i heard him do a keynote speech and it's just absolutely it was the mary poppins it which has made it into it's chapter three in, shine, in chapter right? three yeah absolute genius and and so i and i've just fell in love with uh well with gav basically because he's just so funny and so and so riddled with insecurities. You wouldn't believe it, right? Because he can do a keynote speech in front of a thousand people, absolutely terrified, but he just does it anyway. And I was kind of quite impressed by that. And then it just his keynote was the best keynote I'd ever heard. So I kind of teamed up with him about a couple of years later. I said, do you want to write in a book? All you got to do is write what you said on your keynote, which he did. And um, so it, it came out of shine. And again, I think it's, it's for people who, you can get a bit lost, can't you? You can yeah. think, you think that... <laughs> You get ground down. Life is really super good at, at grinding you down and knocking the enthusiasm out of you. And, you know, and what Shine is trying to do is like, well, do you know what? Let's remember how good we really are. Epic. We're epic. Or, or we're all superheroes pretending to be normal, basically, is my yeah. catch, catch, catchphrase. And this is stop pretending, you know, step into the superhero version of you. So Shine is one of my favorites, largely because it's the funniest book that I've ever been involved in. I've got the other ones that I particularly of mine. <laughs> I mean, I've best book of all time obviously is charlie and the chocolate factory i mean it's not got particularly any messages about personal development but a lot of chocolate but i think it's a super book yes um but uh of my books i i if somebody wanted a starting point for mine 
I, my personal favorite, it's not the best reviewed on Amazon, but I've got a book. I wrote a book called The Little Book of Being Brilliant, okay. which is about book 10 or 11. And I I think that goes deeper, particularly if you, I don't know who listens to this. Coaches might listen to this. If you're a coach, it takes you, it takes you into inside out thinking, which I think is a game changer. Ooh. So The Little Book of Being Brilliant or emotional, A Little Book of Emotional Intelligence. That's me trying to be clever. Oh, I like that. Absolutely. Everybody get out and buy them and shine as well. And, and Spy Dog, if you've got children. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, that's right. Kids books by sort of by accident. Yeah. So how many books have you written in total? Um, I'm not sure. I don't actually know in total. I mean, Spy Dog was about, there's about 20 in that series, but that was, that's got nothing to do with this. That's uh, just a separate yeah. sort of weird thing. But I, mean, I love yeah, it. I'm really proud of it, actually. But uh, that was the whole thing. I mean, the Spy Cat in the end, we invented a whole family of spy characters yeah well i tell you what you just mentioned the word what you're most proud of i am asked uh, sandra for a couple of questions for you can i just can i just can i just introduce because in case people don't know sandra sandra wiles when she was chief exec at blaby council gave me pretty much my first break into <gasps> delivering in schools so we did stuff for for her employees which they loved because she was the chief exec and she is a two presenter um, but then she found some money. I don't know how she found the money or where it came from, but she allowed us to go into a school and experiment with some of the material. Would it work with teenagers? And it wasn't our best ever because it, it was right at this. This was 10 years ago. But now because of that opportunity she gave us, we're rocking and rolling in schools now. So thank you, Sandra. Oh, oh that's just she is quite an incredible human yeah. she's got the capacity to be able to connect people in such yes. a beautiful brilliant way and as you say yeah she's definitely a two percenter Sandra Riles rocks um right okay so she asks talking of pride what are you most proud of and what are you going to be most proud of when you're 83 I'm not oh sure if that's God. significant. This is, I can tell that's one of her coaching questions that she's trying out on me. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm most lands. proud of uh, probably, obviously if we take family out of the equation, which goes without saying, I'm really proud of the business that we've created that is um, doing it for the right reasons, not in it for the money. And we genuinely care about what we're doing. And we've kind of, there's about 20 people now at the Otterby and Brill. And we, there's a bunch of mavericks, really a bunch of people who are a bit odd, but they all believe in the same thing. They all believe in trying to change the world one person at a time. So I'm really proud of what we've created. And we've survived a 28 financial crisis and we've survived the pandemic and come out stronger. So really, really super proud of that. What I will be proud of at 83, right, well-being will be on the syllabus. In, yes. In schools, right. That is my thing. I'm not leaving this planet until that has happened, until young people I've actually got well-being as a discrete subject that sits alongside maths and English and science because looking after your mental health has got to be the more important than maths and English and science. Yes, you heard it here first, people. That is beautiful. Um, she also asked you one more. Who has influenced you most and why? Well, I could say Sandra, but I better not because <laughs> I don't want to be don't want it to be going to her head you know what I mean um, <laughs> I've been I'm a big learning junkie so I read lots of personal development books and I read heavy academic stuff as well but probably the influences that I've had in my life have been I used to have a manager at Loughborough um, probably I've had lots of managers in my corporate career but only one who's really um, got the best out of me by getting out of my way 
So I just, in fact, it was probably, it was a coaching, her name was Anne Bullock. I don't know if Anne will listen to this. She's a fantastic human being. And she, I think I describe Anne as having more faith in me than I had in myself. And I wouldn't, I can't, she was a coach, but we never coached. I was never coached. We would have yeah. conversations that were, I didn't know I was being coached, but I was being coached. We'd have a conversation by the photocopier that would leave me with a solution that I hadn't thought of before. I come up with a solution. So she's yeah. right. I really, I'm explaining it really badly, but no, oh, beautiful. I, she got out of my way and she grew me. She grew me to some, to, to something I didn't think I was capable of. And then I flew the nest. I love that. Proud. Two incredible women. If you want to look, Google them, look them up. Great coaches, great influencers. Sandra and Anne was that brilliant. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Have a look at them. That, I love that. I love that. Andy, apart from getting wellness and well-being onto the curriculum, what is next for you? Next, um, I'm writing another book. I'm writing a book with Bear Grylls, which is kind of pretty Ooh, cool. Right? Okay. So, I mean, he's a proper A-lister, obviously. So we're writing a book. It's a book on well-being for young people. Um, so fingers crossed that that okay. will come out um, in 2022. Um, and then continuing to grow the art of being brilliant into the school arena. So that's um, that's basically what I will be spending the next 20 30 years doing but having a good time I'm doing it with a smile on my face and doing it because it's fun that's also oh, really important really important but doing stuff that actually yeah means a great deal to us because we want to get out of bed and do it and actually make it happen well I know Natalie you, you like I say we're in the same thing is I meet people every day who hate what they do and they can't find a way out of or they daren't take the brave step and leave what they're doing because it's safer to hate what you do and mm. have a solid income than do something you love and take a risk and it's a tough call sometimes but I would um, I would err on the side of taking a bit of a risk mm. and giving it some willy because actually the benefits you get mentally and in life and how you project yourself and that how you move forward meet people saying yes to things quite yeah. incredible yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> quite incredible right okay so i've got a, so a couple of fun questions and then we'll just do like, close out with maybe some advice for listeners and whatnot um what is your most used or favorite emoji oh my gosh i've never used an emoji no no never never and i'm i'm kind of quite <laughs> proud of that i'm quite proud okay. of that yeah and i i honestly i've never used an emoji and i never intend to do you know what it's so interesting you say that because literally this morning I thought about asking you and I was like maybe I should start it by saying have you ever used them before oh that's yeah. funny I obviously knew no no my, my, I just keep getting things from people with just almost all emojis and hardly any words and I'm, you have to interpret <laughs> it is that a smiley face is it a wink is it a, I, I don't know what is it, it is the eyesight just tell got... me just tell me what it means I'm a bit old school I'm the wrong side of 50 I'm never going to use an emoji I'm into using voice notes now, actually. I use I leave a lot more voice notes than text because you hear someone's voice, the tonality, and it comes across better, right? Yeah, more agreed. personal. Agreed. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, you've got pigs. What are the names of your pigs? I've I'm got so pigs. curious. I've got Hargreaves and Rooney. Yeah, my boys. Boys with a Z for some reason. <laughs> um, and I love them to bits. They're not normal pigs. They're pet pigs. They're not destined for the barbecue. They're Cooney Cooney pigs from New Zealand. So they're kind of smallish, but they're... <laughs> they're ginger and black and hairy oh. and they are so gorgeous and so handsome and so oh, clever oh are they really oh yeah yeah yeah. much 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 more intelligent than my own children <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i love it and they live in your garden they live in, and we're, we're lucky enough to have a little sort of field and they live oh yeah. but they're, they're, they're they're trained they they're, <laughs> you know they, they're family basically they're family 
Okay. How old were you when you got you, when you got your driver's license? And did you pass first time? Oh uh, yeah, yes, indeed. I passed uh, four weeks after my seventeenth birthday. I live on a farm, <laughs> so I'd already been driving tractors and stuff. So I knew how to drive anyway, and therefore I'd already booked my test. And yeah, brilliant. Rock Learned by driving tractors. That's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, well, I think I think the, I'm, 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 it's harder to drive a modern car. I've got so many sensors on it; it bleeps at me, and and it, it's made me a worse driver because oh, normally you just like reverse into a. Back in the day, before sensors and bleeps, you just kind of reverse in, and and now you can, now you're like beep beep boop, yes. beep, and like oh my gosh, what am <laughs> like, I I've, actually, I've actually become a worse driver in the last five years. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I love it. Andy, anyone who's been inspired by this conversation, I suspect absolutely everybody will. And they now want to make change. They want to, you know, be the change that we need, be the change that they want to see, as you mentioned earlier. What what, do you, what would you advise them to do? How can they get on and do that? Um, well, I think it all boils down to, I mean, <laughs> consciously deciding to have a positive attitude is a, is, a, is a very small sentence, but it has a huge connotation. So deciding to have, to carry around with your positive attitude, that's, that's the smallest thing I think that you can do that will have the biggest impact. I, but I do think that the modern world is very serious and the modern world is, there's something called the pratfall effect. I, I maybe I'll give you something a bit obscure. I mean, if, I, think, I, I think it's an actual academic thing. I mean, if you Google it, you'll find it. The pratfall effect basically means that, you know, when you mess up and you do something a bit stupid and you're a bit silly, then people deem you more attractive when you've messed up. So instead, yeah. of trying to, trying, instead of trying to pretend it hasn't happened, it's like grow into your mistakes and yeah. don't be afraid to make them. So the example would be like in, in the summer, in the wedding season, imagine you've had a couple of beers and then it's the evening do and your song comes on, right? Dancing, or whatever it is. Your, your song is like, oh my gosh, it's my song. So you <laughs> rush to the dance floor and you're giving it all you've got. And then you look around and no, there's nobody else joined you. So it's just you on the dance floor now what what most people do is look around after about a minute and then a bit sheepishly go back to the bar and think oh dear what an idiot but where the pratfall effect says just embrace it give it the full three and a half minutes of being your best <laughs> on your own on the dance floor and when you go back to the bar people think you're gorgeous and i, I love the idea that you sh- shouldn't take yourself too seriously and yeah. don't be afraid to be a bit of an idiot sometimes not all the time but just embrace the silliness yeah being human almost well, yeah, yeah. So, so I've stopped care. I don't, don't bother me what really what people think anymore. I'm just going to be me, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I know I've got lots of flaws, but um, I don't care anymore. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. Get out there. Get on the dance floor, people, and you know, sh- shift some moves. Give some. Sh- throw some shapes. Throw some shapes all on your own. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it who doesn't cares? matter. Nobody's looking at you anyway. They're all on the phones, aren't they? Looking at pictures <laughs> of cats. <laughs> worrying about what they look like. <laughs> exactly. That's it, is it? Let's finish on that. <laughs> they're exactly. so concerned about not looking stupid. Yeah, they're they're actually, not looking. At... They don't think you're stupid. They're quite admiring the fact your courage to do that. To yeah, do it. That's exactly. it. That's it. That's the Brilliant. point. Where your book's all in Amazon, um, artofbrilliance.com, is it online? Where can yeah, dot find you? Yeah, artofbrilliance.co.uk, Brilliant Schools is the school website. Or if you just Google Andy Cope, all the books will come up on Amazon on there, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been magical. What a, what a, what a Friday morning start. Literally, I'm going to have a spring in my step after this. Well, fantastic. Well, thanks for inviting me. Um, yeah, it's all very simple stuff. And keep doing what you're doing, Natalie. I think uh, it's great to know that you're making a difference. Thank you, lovely. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Take care. Look after yourself. Keep well. 
You have been listening to Life Stories with me, Natalie Miller-Snell. For all information related to my guests, please check the show notes. And if you wish to continue the conversation with us, please hashtag Life Stories on all social channels. If you enjoyed this show, please pop over to seizetheday.simplecast.com where you'll find my other shows. If you're interested to know any more about coaching, please visit me at nmscoaching.co.uk where you'll also find details of the latest workshops I am running. Thank you so much for listening. 